Hey, science nerds, welcome to Beyond the Abstract, a podcast where we talk about the coolest, cutting-edge, basic science research papers in a way that just about anyone can understand. Hey there, welcome back to episode 9 of Beyond the Abstract. Hi everyone. It's been a while. It has been a while. Well, as you know, the world's kind of going to shit. Yes, Derek and I are social quarantining together, I guess. Yeah, there doesn't need to be a pandemic to tell me to stay home and watch Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously guys, wash your hands, don't touch your face. Try to avoid unnecessary travel. Yeah, so. What money do I have to travel anyway? <laughs> Speaking of coronavirus, the paper that we discussed in our last episode that was originally in BioArchive, Ellen, guess where it got published? Where? Cell. <gasps> it hit the big leagues. Uh, he knows how to choose <laughs> Yeah, you spotted a star. What can I say? He has a talent. <laughs> <laughs> so the paper we're talking this week, we actually encountered a year ago. Ellen and I, we have to take these MD-PhD classes even during our time in medical school. And one of them is talking about bench research that is actually a bit more translational and how can we actually bring bench research into the clinic. The class involved talking with you know faculty, sometimes we got to meet the authors and then talk with them about their thought process behind it and then kind of where they envision the research going, which is really, really cool. I was actually assigned to this paper. That was the first time I was exposed to it. And I thought it was just one of the coolest papers I had ever met. So it has to do with building essentially an artificial placenta. Yep. It's super futuristic and crazy. Definitely yeah. sci-fi. It's kind of like, I feel like when you see those movies and you yeah. see like little fetuses or babies like growing in like a glass in container. In little pods. Yeah, in little glass pods. Yeah. This is basically that. Yeah. So this is especially interesting to me, I feel, because my lab studies vascular development and yeah. one of my projects has to do with the placenta and studying how the placenta is essentially able to grow this really complex network of blood vessels in such a short period of time. So I just think this is like one of the coolest things. Things ever. And also, you and I, we both did clinical rotations on OBGYN and pediatrics. We both took care of pregnant patients and also premature babies. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this paper was just really, really cool. Yeah, because it's such a cool, like, futuristic technique, but it's addressing a problem that we saw, I mean, fairly commonly in both OBGYN and pediatrics, which is prematurity and the morbidity associated with prematurity. So it's cool that it's like futuristic and sci-fi, but it's actually addressing a very real problem. Mm -hmm. So the title of the paper is An Extrauterine System to Physiologically Support the Extreme Premature Lamb. And this paper was published in Nature Communications in 2017 by the Flake Group at CHOP, which is the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which is actually where Ellen and I both did our pediatrics rotations. Mm -hmm. So as always, we're going to walk you through some background. So the placenta is essentially a temporary organ made from a combination of cells from both the mom and baby. And the main role of the placenta is to support fetal growth throughout the pregnancy. Now, like I said before, the placenta is really, really complex and it has a lot of different jobs, mainly to exchange oxygen between mom's blood and baby's blood exchange other nutrients, and also to take away waste from the baby. 
Yeah, and because it has th- these many complex processes that are also so vitally important to the fetus, that's why it's been so hard for any other group to come up with this type of artificial placenta that's out of the body because our bodies have evolved for so long to be able to fulfill this function. It's very hard to do that out of the body. Totally. I'm sure many of you have heard that CHOP is one of the best children's hospitals in the nation, probably the world. So they were really poised to do this sort of research. They have some of the best pediatric and fetal surgeons anywhere. Mm -hmm. So if anyone could do it, they could. Yeah. (laughs) And we're happy to tag along. So the point of this artificial placenta is really to try and address this problem of prematurity and preterm babies. Now, full gestation is considered 40 weeks. Preterm babies are considered less than 34 weeks of gestation, and extreme prematurity is anything considered less than 28 weeks of gestation. It's important for a baby to reach full gestation because a lot of our organs undergo really rapid development while we're inside our mom's uterus especially our lungs, our heart, our brain. These are organs that really do a lot of their growth during pregnancy. And if anything goes wrong, it can really have devastating consequences for life. And even if the baby is able to be born with this premature age, they're going to have lifelong health problems because of these problems with their organ development. So there are a few factors that are associated with increased risk of prematurity. This includes poor prenatal care, such as not really having access to an OBGYN, smoking, intravenous drug use, prior premature births or genetics, and other chronic medical conditions such as heart disease, hypertension, and diabetes. And the consequences, as we said, can be really, really severe. This includes lung underdevelopment, congenital anomalies, often in the brain or heart, bleeding into the brain, something called necrotizing enterocolitis, where there's infection and destruction of the colon, and then there's also cerebral palsy or even death. And like you said, some of those causes are directly related to the organs that need the sort of the most time to develop and are most time sensitive, like, for example, the lungs and the brain. And as we know, it's very important for the premature baby to have healthy lungs because you need all of these air sacs so that their blood can get enough oxygen and be able to oxygenate the rest of their body properly. Cue No Air by Jordan Sparks. (laughs) Little baby singing No Air. So because of a lot of these premature infants have improperly developed lungs, they often are placed on ventilators in the NICU or the neonatal intensive care unit. Yeah, there's a few other things you can do for these preemies too. We can give them surfactant. This is something that's usually present in the lungs. It reduces surface tension so that your lungs don't really collapse on each other. You can give them caffeine, nutritional support, antibiotics if they have infections, or prostaglandins to make sure that their circulatory system remains properly connected. Mm -hmm. I mean, Derek has listed many therapeutic options, but if we're being honest, the options aren't great in terms of really reducing morbidity and mortality, and especially morbidity in the later years of the infant's life. Currently, neonatal care has extended the limit of viability all the way to 22 to 23 weeks. So this is just a little past halfway of a regular gestational pregnancy. 
Keep in mind that the only places that are able to pull off something like this are really at state-of-the-art hospitals like CHOP. Mm -hmm. A lot of these other hospitals where the majority of people deliver babies and get their prenatal care and everything, they're not able to do this. Mm -hmm. They even struggle with anything, you know, 28 weeks because that's still considered really, really premature. For babies born less than 22 weeks, their chances of survival are really probably close to zero. Zero, And because of that, there are really few neonatologists who would elect to resuscitate or try to bring a baby back to life if they're born at that age. Yeah, less than 22 weeks. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Both because of feasibility and medical limitations, but also it's just a terrible quality of life. Mm -hmm. This group really wanted to see Can we build a system that acts as an artificial placenta to support fetal growth outside the uterus? Again, a really crazy idea. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're just going to jump right into the paper. They had a really cute name for this artificial placenta. They (laughs) called it the bio bag. Catchy. You can already see like the ads coming, right? Yes, you can. (laughs) I think it's a really catchy name for it. So they termed it the bio bag, and this is what they're calling their artificial placenta. But before we even get to that, we really need to understand what is needed for a functional placenta. The placenta, or we kind of generally call it the womb, and encompasses all parts of the pregnancy, really. There's a lot of different aspects to it. So there's the amniotic sac. This is essentially a closed environment where the baby is like happily like swimming (laughs) in what we call amniotic fluid. It's actually, I think you've probably heard of this, pee made from the baby yum (laughs) it's really important because this amniotic fluid isn't just pee it's not just tasty but (laughs) there's actually growth factors and a bunch of different electrolytes and actually the baby does drink it and it Mm -hmm, is important mm -hmm, for lung development mm -hmm, as well mm -hmm. so you know baby's having a good time in there (laughs) there's the actual placenta which is important, as we said before, for nutrient exchange. This is where most of the blood between mom and baby interface. And then there's oxygenation. So oxygenation at this time is really done by the mother's lungs. The mom oxygenates her own blood, the blood goes to the placenta, and then mom's blood passes the oxygen to baby's blood. And then, of course, the star of the show... The fetus! The fetus. (laughs) So these are parts of the normal womb, which are really critical for normal fetal growth. So what does the bio bag do to kind of recapitulate all of these? Well, instead of an amniotic sac to have a closed environment, they have a plastic bag. So, you know, don't worry. These aren't like the plastic bags you get at the grocery store. These are a little more, you know, state of the art. They're not generic. They're the Ziploc brand that has the little clothes, fancy clothes tag. Oh, yeah. They're going all out there, (laughs) Chop. Spend the extra 50 cents. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's synthetic amniotic fluid. So this is kind of a cocktail of growth factors and electrolytes and different nutrients that the scientists put into it to mimic the amniotic fluid there's a pumpless circuit now this part is supposed to mimic the placenta and it's pumpless in the fact that blood flow in the fetus is driven only by its own heartbeat and this is the same case here it's important for this system to be pumpless because you want to reduce the amount of resistance that the baby's heart has to pump against because if there's too much resistance then the baby's heart has to pump too hard, you can go into heart failure, a lot of complications can happen. Mm -hmm. 
there has to be an oxygenator. In this case, they use something called ECMO. This is mm-hmm. often used in cardiac surgery. It stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, and it allows blood passing through it to become oxygenated because we don't have mom in this case, right? We need to have somehow deliver oxygen to the baby. And then, of course, the fetus itself. In this case, they used a lamb fetus because it closely mirrors human fetal development in terms of size and organ stage. The gestational period is a bit shorter, around 170 days, compared to humans, which are around 270 days. But in terms of organ development, the sizes are similar. So this Mm -hmm. is important. They are able to draw some parallels between this lamb and a human fetus. Mm-hmm. There are a few big challenges when they were first developing this system. And it actually, interestingly, mirrors a lot of issues, just even in normal pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Things like bacterial infection, which can lead to sepsis. Yeah, Moms can get infections, something called strep B pretty often. It's something we routinely test during prenatal care. They can have cardiac arrhythmias, their heart isn't beating at the right rate, it's too fast or it's too slow or it's just abnormal. There are cannulation difficulties. This is what we call when they actually put a tube into the umbilical artery or umbilical vein leading to the fetus. This results in something called vasospasm. Essentially, the vessel just like clamps down kind of and that can result in reduced blood flow to the baby. Other things like hypoxia, the baby not getting enough oxygen, bleeding, clotting, heart failure, all of these are issues that they observed while trying to develop the biobag. Yeah, and through the paper, they talk about some of the trials that they had to go through. So there there are really a lot of optimizations for this kind of device. Like an example of something they had to address was this bacterial infection and sepsis. And originally they had like an open system, not in a bag. So it was just Mm -hmm. sort of like open amniotic fluid. And they noticed really high rates of sepsis. So that's why they decided to put the lamb inside the bag, because that means that you won't have as many people like inserting devices and stuff in the bag. Yeah, it's essentially closed off to the environment and protected with this plastic bag. We need bio bags for coronavirus, I think. Oh, yeah, please. (laughs) Get some warm amniotic fluid. (laughs) Your face doesn't need a paper bag. It needs a plastic one. (laughs) He looked me dead in the eyes as he said it. So after optimizing the system, they felt that they were able to move forward and really assess how well is this biobag actually working. So they looked at a bunch of different parameters to assess fetal development. And the first thing they can do is functional tests. So how long does the fetus actually survive while in the biobag? This is pretty important. You want the fetus to stay in there as long as possible so it has a chance to grow in that environment. And they can look at the weight of the fetus, they can measure, you know, how big its head is, and then just generally infection, or hopefully lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And as Ellen said before, once they moved into this closed system inside the bag, they are really able to reduce incidence of infection. Other functional tests include looking at blood pressure, cardiac output, this is how much blood your heart puts out, your heart rate, and then your O2 saturation, seeing how much oxygen your tissue is consuming and then how well this ECMO device is able to oxygenate the blood. Mm -hmm. You can do blood tests. These are tests we do in humans as well. The first is called hemoglobin, looking at the amount of iron in your red blood cells, glucose, 
bun. <laughs> Just kidding. It's called BUN, and this is something that looks at kidney function. I feel like the classic med student mistake is always like you're reporting labs and you're like, the bun, bun. is. <laughs> and then your resident's <laughs> laughing at you, your attending's laughing at you, everyone's laughing at you, you quit medicine, it's game over. You start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But don't make that mistake. It's pronounced B-U-N. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, microscopically, looking histologically, how does the lung look? How big are the lungs? And then how does the brain look? We can do scans, like MRIs, and then also do histology, looking at the actual microscopic tissue structures of the brain. Even after these premature infants sort of get out of critical care, they have lifelong consequences for being on this kind of support and being born premature. So one thing that this group wanted to look into is what are the outcomes after this delivery from the bio bag and how does the lamb develop that's grown in the bio bag? So like we said, one organ that's really important in premature babies and in their premature lambs is the lung. So they wanted to look at the lung volume, the surface area, and also just the histology. So when they looked at the lungs of these lambs that were grown in the bio bag, they saw that they had normal levels of cells that produce surfactant, which is a protein that Derek was talking about, which is important to keep those air sacs in the lungs open. It's kind of like, do you ever do that experiment with soap and milk and then food coloring? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, where then you put food coloring in and then you like touch it with soap or something it just like spreads out because physics yeah (laughs) surface tension (laughs) is a word maybe ever heard of it (laughs) yeah it reduces surface tension (laughs) and besides the lung another really important organ to look at of course is the brain so they wanted to look uh that important (laughs) Derek doesn't eat it because he's so cute (laughs) (laughs) So they wanted to look at brain size, brain histology. Looks like we have size queens just everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Gosh, guys, stop focusing on size. It's okay if they have tiny little brains. (laughs) The cells of the brain, electrical recordings of the brain. And when they looked at these factors like brain size and brain histology, all of these factors were normal in the lambs that were grown in the bio bag. So they're comparing these lambs in the bio bag to lambs just growing normally yeah. in a lamb uterus. Yeah. So really, these lambs, they're physiologically the same as lambs that aren't in the bio bag, which is incredible. Which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Which is a really good outcome for them. And another just measure of their um, brain function is that they noticed that the um, lambs had could sleep normally and had normal sleep and wake cycles. Ugh, lucky. <laughs> They could eat, which they measured by a little swallowing motions. They didn't have any evidence of ischemic injury to their brain, which occurs when you don't have enough oxygen to your brain. And then they could also measure blood flow to the brain, which is obviously really important to have normal blood flow to the brain at all times. And it looked like by all of their measures, the lambs in the bio bag had normal brain blood flow. I know we're kind of just running through all these tests, but these are actually pretty difficult clinical tests to conduct Mm -hmm. and you really need again a really advanced hospital system with people who are really good at what they do in order to do this Mm -hmm. so again it's really cool that they were able to do this at CHOP and that they took on this project because they had the capabilities to do it 
Also, it's really cool that they did this test while trying to keep the lambs isolated in the bio bag as long as possible. So I know a lot of times they relied pretty heavily on doing ultrasounds outside of the bag to look at a lot of the functions. So they had some pretty expert ultrasonographers who were able to do these ultrasounds on the baby lambs. Mm -hmm. So now that they showed that the bio bag essentially is functionally equivalent just to a normal uterus, what sort of impact does this have? So we talked about really premature babies. Now babies born at 22-23 weeks, even though they have a chance of surviving, their mortality rate is still extremely, extremely high. At 22 weeks, babies have a 94% chance of not making it and they have a 100% chance of morbidity. Mm -hmm. So these babies are bound to have some sort of developmental defect or something wrong with one of their organs, a 100% chance, Mm -hmm. right? So you're really setting up these babies to have some sort of struggle for life. Mm -hmm. These conditions are always chronic, they're devastating, they're lifelong, and they really affect the baby's quality of life. And And the family that's caring for them, of course. Of course. And even just by extending their time in the womb to 28 weeks, we can decrease mortality to 8%. Again, this was 94% at 22 weeks, and we can decrease morbidity from 100% to 43%. Yeah, which is crazy because it's just talking about an extension of six weeks. Just pushing these premature infants for six weeks longer of development can drastically reduce mortality and that's sort of the whole goal of this group is like we just need to push these babies to develop a little bit longer so we can see these better outcomes again 28 weeks is still really really premature yes but at least now they have a chance of having a somewhat normal or maybe even completely normal life which would be awesome yeah I remember when I was on my pediatrics rotation that I took care of like a 25-weeker. Oh, wow. An ex-25-weeker. And when I saw him, he was like the cutest thing. He just had like, he went through so many different trials and stuff. But it was really cool. Cool story. At the end of my rotation, I was able to discharge him. He was able to go home. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Yeah. But it's crazy. Even at the time of discharge, that was actually when he was considered to be like, a full, full, ge- baby. full gestation yeah. yeah yeah so these i mean these babies are in hospitals for weeks and weeks yeah he was in the hospital for three months and to think that like wow now he's supposed to come into the world yeah. but he's been out here for three yeah. months already yeah yeah and he was doing re- pretty well actually he was kind of one of those miracle babies yeah wow yeah. that's cool so obviously this technology has a lot of different ethical implications as well and this is something i thought was really cool that the authors actually discussed in the paper Mm -hmm. they say that this bio bag is really only meant for babies being born at 22 23 weeks where Mm -hmm. again they basically have a guaranteed life of like difficulty ahead of them and it would be for these 22 23 weekers in which they would stay until around 28 weeks in order to decrease morbidity and mortality and to quote what they're saying exactly they say Our goal is not to extend the current limits of viability, but rather to offer the potential for improved outcomes for those infants who are already being routinely resuscitated and cared for in neonatal intensive care units. So again, this isn't to somehow push back the limits of viability from 22 weeks to say like 20 weeks or 19 weeks, Yeah. right? Those babies really, 
they're just too premature. Like, unfortunately, there really is just no hope for their survival. And I don't even think a system like this would be able to... Exactly. And one other consideration is that, again, we've been talking about how CHOP is such, like, a world-class institution for pediatric care and pediatric research. So one thing to keep in mind is that, of course, if this does get into... Um, actual clinical use, it would likely be at very limited clinical centers. So unfortunately, if you are thinking about all the women who are having premature babies, it sort of would be a obstacle to get some of them to these research centers that have the biobag device that they could use. Mm-hmm. Besides just what it takes to support one of these devices, there's also the staff involved, yeah. the resources, all of that. It's all very, very advanced level care that not all hospitals have the luxury of being able to support. Yeah. So in terms of future directions, this was something that was really cool when I was talking to the authors of the paper. So the plan is to test this in humans, hopefully, one day, and to actually be able to impact preemies being born and to give them a better chance. They're doing different patents and also doing more studies on the outcomes of the lambs long term because even though these lambs are being quote-unquote delivered at 28 weeks they still had to be intubated they still have to have support as would any human being born at 28 Mm -hmm. weeks Mm -hmm. also they're still as always trying to improve the system and reducing complications such as vasospasm it's cool that there's they're trying to have this in like practical clinical use but there's still a lot of like cool like molecular research that's also being done Mm -hmm. on the device all right so that's it thanks for tuning in this week guys sorry it was so long since our last episode we are trying to like scrounge up a friend as a guest (laughs) once again (laughs) a month just not enough time maybe next time we'll definitely have one for next time yep (laughs) all right thanks 